And now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, a special hello goes out to the director of media for the Boston Bruins alumni, Mr. Mark Boland. Nice to see you, Marky. Welcome to the Pro Hockey Alumni Podcast, the home of behind-the-scenes interviews, stories, and memories that celebrate the heritage of the great game of hockey. The Pro Hockey Alumni Podcast is hosted by Mark Willand. Episode 16 of the Pro Hockey Alumni Podcast features one of my all-time favorite players, the highly respected, hard-working, great leader, Terry Roskowski, who had a long big league career, began with the Houston Arrows, also played the Chicago Blackhawks, LA Kings, Pittsburgh Penguins, and Minnesota North Stars. He was the captain of the Arrows, Blackhawks, Kings, and Penguins. Of course, he led the Winnipeg Jets to the 1979 AFCO Cup. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about his experiences on joining the Houston Arrows, becoming the captain of the Chicago Blackhawks. Terry talks about some of the all-time greats that he played with and some behind-the-scenes stories of Gordie Howe, Stan Mikita, and Mario Lemieux, among others. And Terry also reveals for the first time the biggest regret of his big league hockey career. Enjoy this interview with Terry Roskowski. Well, we're back on the show with none other than Terry Roskowski. Terry, a real privilege and pleasure to have you with us today. Oh, Mark, thank you very much. It's, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Terry, always you're synonymous with uh, leadership and with hustle and with grit. Those are the type of things that uh, always associated with you. And incredibly, a four-time <laughs> captain in the professional ranks. But it all starts, well, it starts a long time ago. But it, we, I, I wanted to start this discussion in swift current. Uh, when you're playing with a couple of very interesting characters, both of whom I had the chance to cross paths with in my career, in Pittsburgh with Brian Trache and in Hartford with Tiger Williams. You were with them, though, and they were, you guys were just teenagers. Uh, what, talk to you a little bit about that Swift Current team and uh, those two in particular. Tiger was, um, uh, Williams was, was really, all of us through his minor career was a defenseman. Uh, I know playing against him Pee Wee and Bantam and, uh, we played for, for uh, provincials against him, and he was always defenseman. Um, he went to Swift Creed. We all went to Swift Creed. We didn't make the team. And then we all went down to Humboldt to play, not Brian, but myself and, and Tiger. Uh, we went down there to play, and um, the next year he came back to Swift Creed to try out, and uh, he played defenseman, and uh, we decided, not we, but I suggested that maybe we should maybe try him as forward. And he said, well, with who? And I said, well, put him on my line. So his last year, the last year I think he scored over fifty goals in his last year in junior, and um, yeah, he was a character. There's no question. His, his skating wasn't awfully great, but uh, he could shoot the puck pretty well, and he took a backseat to nobody, and in uh, verbally and in physically part of the game. So, but he was intense. You know, he came to play. He came to play every game, and um, I appreciated that as as a, a fellow teammate. I appreciated that a lot. And then Brian Trotsky is just. Just a great guy, like just a great guy. Yeah, he's very. Uh, we we he, still talk. Oh, that's good. He's such a he's such an interesting guy. If, if you don't know him, I don't know if you appreciate. It, but he, you know, for someone like yourself, he has that musical side to him. He he's funny. Yep. He's just uh, he's he's a real real personality. Well, his dad, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, either sold the farm 
or bought a house inside Swift Current because they lived in Valmarie, if I'm not mistaken, outside of Swift Current, um, and bought a house, and they all lived in Swift Current through the hockey season. And uh, so Brian stayed right at home with his family. So that was, uh, you know, they were, they were serious about their hockey, and, <laughs> and there was a good reason why, because Brian was an excellent, excellent player and um, scored goals, set up, set up goals. Um, just a great guy, like, just a great guy. He's just a good hockey player. I don't think I've ever played against a guy when I played him in the NHL that was stronger in his skates than him. I, boy, there's sometimes I hit, I try to hit him and not, not dirty, but physical hit, knock him off the puck. <laughs> there's just nice. no way. It was like hitting a brick wall. <laughs> he kind of like a smirk at me and skate away. Right. But, um, yeah, terrific player. And he deserves to be a Hall of Fame because, uh, he just, he just talented hockey player and a good, great guy. Absolutely. Well, after your success in Swift Current, you have a decision to make. You're drafted by both the Chicago Blackhawks and the WHA's Houston Arrows. Uh, tell me about that thought process. Now, at Houston, they had just come off a championship, and of course, they have the Howe family. Weather's nice, and the Chicago Blackhawks, of course, the National Hockey League, but they've got Ivan Boldrev, Stan Makita, Pitt Martin at the center spot. Uh, what's your right. thought process at that time? Well, it, it really, Mark, Mark, there really wasn't a thought process to it. I, I knew what I was going to do. Um, Chicago offered me. I, I remember this Billy Ray saying, uh, us small guys got to stick together. And I'm going, okay, <laughs> thank you, Mr. Ray. I appreciate it. That's when they drafted me, I think, in the bottom of the third or top of the fourth. Um, but Houston made a, 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 a two-round secret draft at, at Christmas time, and that was, I think, their second-round pick. So I was kind of flattered about that. But when it came down to negotiation talks and where I was going to play, Chicago offered me uh, to go down and play in Dallas, uh, which is not a bad place to play, mind you, but right. still it wasn't where I wanted to be. And um, Houston offered me a, a no-cut, no-trade uh, deal for three years. So uh, even though it wasn't for much money, <laughs> but it, that was the best place for me to go. So Absolutely. Uh, um, that's where I end up. And, and, and I, you know what? And I know I made the right decision because I enjoyed the heck out of it. Well, I can imagine. That's a very interesting scenario for you, a young guy. You come into that Houston team, and putting the house aside for a second, it's a real veteran team, a lot of character guys, Ted Taylor and Larry Lund and Paul Popeil and John Shella. Um, for a young guy like yourself and Rich Preston as well, coming into a, a group like that, it had to be quite an experience for you. Oh, uh, it, it was it was the best time for hockey-wise. It was the best time of my life. I I had the best time, and you know what? There, we were such a close knit team, like a really close knit team. Like, if something ever happened to anybody in the team, there was just not one or two guys. The whole team would confront that guy that did something wrong with one of our players. But we went to a party. Everybody went to a party. The coach, everybody went. We were so close. We cared and loved each other. Like, and we still keep in contact at some at some point. I saw Larry Lund here in uh, last month come down from the um, an event. Saw him there, John Gray. And they're just they're just good people, you know, good, honest people that wanted to win. They cared about each other. And somebody asked me about all the teams you played for, which one would you think would, would win a championship? And I said, We I don't know if we had the most talented team in Houston. We had a good team, but we're we're the closest team we ever had. It, it was it was so close. It was it, it was awesome. And, and and of course playing with the Howes and Gordy was was great. And, you know, it's thrill. You know, you, you you grew up watching him play, right. and all of a sudden you're in the you're in the elevator, um, and he's right next to you, and he's looking at you. He says, 
you going the same floor I'm going to, kid? I said, yes, sir. He says, you must be the new kid in the block. I go, yes, sir. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. You know, it was just, what do you say to a guy? that I don't know. I was just, but all I know is I wanted to be around him as much as I could. And I, I tried, you know, going to the airport, doing different things all the time. I just, I wanted to be next to him. I wanted anything that would rub off on, I just, anything that fell off him, I wanted to pick it up. Yeah, absolutely. You know? No, I had to use I, I, he, you know, Gordy loved that Houston Arrows team, and I had the, a similar experience, not as a player, but you know, I began my uh, career working in the National Hockey League in PR for the Hartford Whalers. And the very first day I arrive on the job, my first job, my boss uh, tells me I have to drive Gordy Howe to a charity event, so I'm driving <laughs> in a car, and I am, I was so nervous. I'm like, you know, don't make a mistake. Of course, Gordy is so relaxed. He, you know, he couldn't care less. You yeah. know, he treats you like yeah. you've been there for 20 years. But he it was, yep. Um, yep. and yeah, I got a chance to, you know, spend you know six years working with him and closely with Colleen, and uh, it was a great experience. But I do know they loved that Houston team, and uh, you could definitely feel they it. They did. And as years have gone on, I, you know, I've talked to different guys like Larry Lund, Cam Connor, uh, what have you. And there's such a, uh, as you said, such a camaraderie there that has spanned through the years. Oh. And it's great to see that. Yeah. Yeah, um, it really was awesome. Terry, by the time you're, the arrows uh, go along, and like in 76, 77, at the end of that year, they had a chance to go to the National Hockey League. It didn't work out with the, the six team merger proposal. But by that point, uh, between yourself, uh, Rich Preston, John Tonelli, Morris Lukowicz, uh, the Howes, Ron Graham, Cam Connor, you've got a real good team at that point. Uh, I, th- I thought an NHL an NHL ready team. How? What are your thoughts about that? I'm going to get your your thoughts about the uh, that team's talent level and your readiness to play in the National Hockey League. If that was what came to pass. Well, it's interesting you say that because we had an exhibition game with the St. Louis Blues in Houston. We didn't have the Howes family because they were doing that Russia and uh, U.S. thing, right? And uh, and they were always they were in Russia, so we played against the the team in St. Louis against St. Louis in Houston, and we beat them. I think it was five to two or five to three. And our line, I didn't get any points, but our lines got uh, three three of the goals. So we were pretty pumped about that. I really think I, I really think that we would have been very competitive, even though we always thought that the NHL was such a you know a, a great league and all that, and, and we found out when we after the merger came through that it was a very good league. Right. But we always felt that we could, we really could have been competitive, and I always wonder. My one of my favorite people that I played with is Stan Nikita, and God rest his soul, he is a tremendous hockey player and a tremendous guy. Just passed away here just recently, right. and I always admired him. Twenty-one years he played for the same team. You know what? And I thought back, and I said, "Geez, I wonder how it'd be twenty-one years in Houston. How you know how great that would be? Right. Like just great, just great. How it'd, it'd be unbelievable." But unfortunately, that wasn't the case, and we had to disperse, and that was the unfortunate part. Right, but you did disperse, and and something that could only happen in the WHA. The core of your team. Uh, ends up going to Winnipeg, and a team that had just lost Anders Hedberg, Ulf Nilsson, Danny LeBratton, and uh, Tommy Bergman. So the team was kind of uh, in real trouble going into that last WHA season. All of a sudden, the Houston Arrow players arrive. 
that's an interesting season. The fans up there still really love that team. And, you know, when we post things about you, uh, that team, Kim Claxon, those, those guys, it always gets a great response online. Um, uh, it's but, to hear. but it's there was such an interesting season. You guys come together uh, with the with the core guys from the Jets, your core guys in the Eros. You have to kind of come together. You have a coaching change. Talk a little bit about it. Plus, you lost large Eric Schuberg for the whole regular season. Talk a little yeah, bit about that yeah. 78-79 Winnipeg Jets team. I, I, I think they liked us because it was so different from the teams they had before. Like, we weren't a good team when we first got there together. We, we just weren't a good team. We hated Winnipeg Jets. Winnipeg hated the Arrows because right. we were always in the finals going against each other for the championship. And now all of a sudden, you know, hanging, banging guys. Fought, I fought Lyle Moffitt, you know, in the penalty box. We had <laughs> things all hanging over our arms and legs and got kicked out. We just didn't like each other. And it took us a long time to actually be a team. And I think the fans in Winnipeg saw the transition from not liking each other to liking, to caring, and then, like I say, loving each other and going to have a chance to win. But it, we were coming together, but the last key was Tom McVie coming in and taking over from the coach. Even though Hillman did, I think, a real good job, and I hate when coaches get fired because it's the coach I got let go three times, which right. I don't like. But <laughs> I think he was the guy that came in there. You know, he didn't give a darn. If you were, if you were Jed, if you were, he didn't care. He, you know, you just treat everybody the same way. You're skating this, you're skating over here. Let's do it. And every drill that he that we did skating wise, he did the same thing. And it was, it was amazing. When the first camp, I think the first training, uh, not training camp, but the first practice. And I remember Scott Campbell having a broken jaw, and he was having migraine headings, and so he, they thought it was a tooth problem. So they pulled the tooth in the front, and he was wired jaw because he had his jaw broken. And yep. man, he just skated us like he just skated us, Mark, like you would not believe. And going. <laughs> This is like training camp all over again. This is crazy. And we're all coming off, and and um, and uh, Scott was like throwing up, trying to throw up through the tooth, and he was just struggling. Oh. And, and uh, <laughs> he said, yeah, he's coming off, and Tom McBee was there by the door, and Scott goes, and I was helping him off because he, he was just dead tired, like throwing up, and he goes, is that the best you can do? <laughs> and he goes, Tom McBee says, wait till tomorrow, wait till tomorrow. And I go, Scott, he shut up. He's killing me. But he scanned us, and uh, yeah, we had four. We had a week or so off before we played uh, Quebec City in the finals. We won the championship, and we just walked all over them. Like, they didn't have a chance. And, of course, Edmonton was a little bit different case. They had a really good, strong team, and, and they were prepared uh, for us. And I think that they realized that we were fourth, just made the playoffs in the fourth fourth position, and they were first, and they had all nice advantage and all that kind of stuff. And I think we surprised them. Uh, the team that we had was very, very talented, very talented. And we, when we put it all together, when Tom McVie came, we put it all together. We're a damn good hockey team, Mark. Like, yeah, you sure did. A good hockey team. A lot of a lot of depth. One guy I was going to ask you about who gets kind of forgotten in, in the discussions of the great defenseman of that era is Lars Eric Schuberg. Um, what are your wow. What are your thoughts about uh, your memories about Lars Eric? I didn't know him very well because I got I played against him. And he came in and he had Achilles heel or Achilles tendon. Uh, snapped and he, and he couldn't play a whole lot and maybe at the very end he did again just a 
just a professional, just a nice guy that was professional, that treated everybody nice. And Schubert, when he got the putt, all you had to do was skate hard and get in the open and put your stick down because it was on your stick and you were going full board somewhere else. He wasn't big, but he he positioned himself so well that he always seemed to get the puck or he always separated the puck from the, from the player and make a play. He was just a solid, 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 good defenseman that did things proper, not one time, but every time. Right. And he was so easy to play for and play with. He's just, as soon as he got the puck, just go because you're getting it. Right. Now, he was uh, obviously talented, as were uh, a lot of the guys on that team. But over the years in the WHA, and I, I could tell you one quick story. When I was working for the Whalers, Hartford was the last home office of the World Hockey Association. So one day in the summer, we had some time to kill. And I went through this, this uh, back office, and I found these old tapes, old films. And one of them was a, a tape that was sent to the league by the arrows to uh, for a suspension hearing for Steve Durbano, and it happened to be a, a fight with you. And uh, I don't know what he did to you in that fight. I was eye gouging or something that he got suspended for. But um, you, 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 for, for a guy your size, I mean, you fought for you know, some really, really tough guys. My, my question is, especially in that league, who's 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 the toughest guy that you went toe to toe with? Um, there, there were numerous guys. I, I always thought the guys that were my size were the toughest ones to fight because they were as they were as strong and as fast as punching as I was. I, I, I didn't. I don't think I hit hard, but I hit often, right. and I was I was quick with the punches, and I think that helped me as 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 a smaller guy against the bigger guys. The bigger guys had to wind up and. And if they had a really long, uh, uh, long arms, I try to get in tight on them and try to throw as many punches as I can. Um, the guy, actually, one of the guys from Hartford was was um, Nick. How's about you for two? <laughs> that's 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 why I call him Nick. How's about you for two? <laughs> and and uh, he was he was a tough guy. And, and I fought we fought in uh, in uh, in Hartford in the playoffs, and then. Uh, Semenko was tough, obviously. I got had to get in tight against him. Maxwell gave me a hard time. Maxwell gave me a hard time, and I and I, I fought Sutter from St. Louis often, and we we had some pretty good bouts. But Maxwell, he he held me out, and I could never get onto him because he had longer arms. As soon as I you know get it you know through the gloves, he he uh, he out he out reached me, and I couldn't get in tight to him, and that <laughs> and he frustrated me probably more than anybody else. Right. But uh, uh, the other the other fight that I had with um, New York Islander, uh, same size as I was, and we just it was it was Gary Howitt. It was Gary Howitt. We we had it. Yeah, we had it out pretty well. And uh, the one time, and and the guy from the guy from Boston, Stan Jonathan, Stan Jonathan. We fought, I fought him twice in one game in uh, Chicago. It was pretty good, Dukes too. But yeah, he was uh, he yeah was, he was a tough uh, tough dude. Yeah, to be I had sure. To do what, had to do what I had to do to survive, though, Mark. I, you know, I, I wasn't the fastest. I wasn't the the greatest hands. I could pass. The thing I could do well is pass, and I worked hard. And then, the thing about me, Mark, if I if I let if I didn't match if I didn't meet the match, if I got challenged and I and I, and I didn't meet the challenge, I, I couldn't live with myself. I I call myself a coward, a chicken, and and even though if I got beat up, at least I know I showed up. And and that's and 
I guess that was to a fault because now I have false teeth. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it was a thing that I had. To, it, it was a thing I had to do, Mark. I just I couldn't live with myself if I if I didn't if I didn't meet the challenge. I, it was. I know sometimes it was stupid, but it was just. I guess it was just me and my living living with myself in that kind of situation. Well, it certainly didn't go unnoticed because uh, a lot of respect for you with the players who played with you and against you, and nothing speaks louder than being chosen captain of four different teams. Um, speaking oh, of which, you, you're welcome. And uh, as I said, as a fan, uh, I really, now I was really pulling for you in that, in the WHA uh, amalgamates into the NHL. Uh, John Ferguson wants to keep you. He's trying to keep you. Only two skaters can be retained. And you end up uh, finally with the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah. And you have a uh, uh, terrific uh, first year. You're with Rich Preston again. Incredibly, you guys now in your third straight team together. Uh, you, on, you have the RPM line with, with Rich and Paul Mulvey. But you're finally in the National Hockey League and, and with a great uh, franchise, original six franchise. How was that experience being a, a Chicago Blackhawk that first year, 79-80? Mark, it, it was absolutely amazing. Uh, it, it was like a dream come true because to this day, I always think, and I know for a fact, they're the nicest logo, the nice uniforms of all sports. I don't care what you say, whatever you say, <laughs> people call it, they're the greatest uniforms, the logo in, in all the soccer, baseball, football, I don't care. They're the best logo ever. And to have that in front of your chest and have number and have number eight and, and your name in the back was a true honor. And um, it was flattering to be there, but the, the super flattering part is when I was just there for a month or so and they made me captain, which is just totally shocked me. I, I had no idea it was coming. You know, Keith Magnuson is, was a good friend of mine, and God rest his soul too, because he was a great person, a great family guy, and a great leader, and a, and a heck of a player. Uh, he he decided to call it quits, and right. um, I, I'll never forget the time. Like I was on the phone, and I, they told me that in the, in the coach's office, and, and I called my dad on the phone. And I said, "Dad, you're not going to believe this, but they just made me captain Chicago Black. Oh, son, I'm so proud of you. It's so great." He and his favorite player, <laughs> till the day he died, was Stan Mikita. Oh, how Stan? I goes, Dad, he's incredible. He's such a good guy. Really? Does he work hard? Does he do this and do that? And he, as soon as he started talking, Stan was getting dressed, going, walking out to his car. And I said, <laughs> he goes, no, no problem. And, and, and he always said, how you doing, Walter? You know, we talked to everybody. That's made him different and special. And they talked for a while. And, and I said, Stosh, thank you so much. He goes, no problem. So I get back on the phone. He goes, Terry, thank you. Said, was that really Stan? Yeah. <laughs> that was really Stan Mikita. He goes, oh, man, I can't believe I talked to Stan Mikita. But playing for the Blackhawks was just a tremendous honor. And, and I think even more so when, I, when I'm sitting down and I'm looking at my jerseys, I think, oh, God, man, what, I should appreciate it more than I do than I did at the time because – that was just a super honor to play for the Chicago Blackhawks. I was just in that, that arena. The fans were just, oh, my gosh. It is incredible. When they got hopping and popping, man, and the national anthem starts to play and everybody starts cheering and stand, man, it just gives you goosebumps. It gives me goosebumps just talking about it now after all these years. Yeah, I mean, uh, me just listening to amazing, it. It was an amazing feeling. 
Yeah, I remember when the uh, and you guys made a playoff run in '82, um, oh. and it was just you, hockey was back oh, in Chicago, Mark. and it was crazy loud. Mark, uh, when we're coming up the stairs from our dressing room, we had to walk the stairs up to go to the to the ice, and if this is for warm up, and nobody comes for warm up. You know, we may have a thousand, two thousand people there getting ready. There was about twelve thousand people there, and when we got on the ice, they start cheering. Right. Warm up. Oh, I was so pumped. I just I told the Bob Polfrey was our coach. I said, Polly, put me, start me, and don't take me off. <laughs> don't even bother taking me off. I am so jacked right now. I want to play the whole game. <laughs> it was just an incredible feeling. It was just no other feeling like that, you know, I've ever felt before. Player as a player. I can imagine, and I guess I can't really imagine it. I can't remember, it's, you know, standing on that ice and having 18,000 people in that organ and that history, but it's great to have life experiences like that. That's that's the beautiful thing about it. And you get that C, and you've got that Blackhawks crest, and it doesn't get any better than that. Um, uh, it doesn't. And you the know, only thing that worse is I got traded. You know the thing that really, that really hampered me when Chicago – and I should have never done it. And I, look, I think back on my career, and I said, geez, why did I do that for? I had a bad knee. I had stretched ligaments and, and, and torn cartilage. And uh, it would get, you know, every time I get hit a certain way, I'd, I'd miss, you know, two or three games. they get better. I'd work on it, and then I'd, I'd be fine for another two or three weeks. And it just, you know, kept on that way. But it didn't bother me a whole lot once it, you know, once it healed a little bit. Right. A team doctor and Bob Pulver came to my house and said, Terry, we yeah, I think the best thing for you is to get that operated on and get that and get that settled. I said, "Are you really serious?" He goes, "Yeah, I'm really. So I think we should do that." But I don't know, you guys. And they, they talked me into it. it. That operation, even though the doctor did a terrific job on it, it took me back three years. Wow! It took me back, and you can tell you can tell by my numbers that my numbers really went down. Um, it, it just I couldn't turn at a big brace. And I wasn't a great skater to begin with. It just really bothered me. In training camp, I know it, every second day they had to put a needle in, and drain my knee because there was so much fluid in there. And it was awful. It, it, it was awful. And it, that, that took me back three years. And my numbers went down. It wasn't very good. It, it just, and, and I think I made a mistake. I should have just kept on playing the way I was playing because even though I, I may have sat out maybe 10, 11 games a year, at least I my legs were there and I didn't have to worry about a brace or, you know, worrying about my knee as much as I did before. And yeah. that, that took me back. And I haven't said that to a whole lot of people, Mark. So you're special when I say that, because I haven't said that to a whole lot of no, interviews I, that, uh, that I've have, have, have taken. No, I appreciate that because I had not known that. And, um, you know, a lot of players in that generation, I work very closely with the Boston Bruins alumni now and uh-huh. get a chance to, you know, talk with a lot of guys on a weekly basis, and things were different then as far as uh, uh, operations and medical uh, situations. Uh, and you know, you make the best decision at that time for your career and for your team. Uh, but it's different than it is now, obviously. Then uh, you know, if you yeah, if, if we're they now, didn't, they didn't scope it, Mark. Mark they right. didn't scope, but they just cut me open for about fifty stitches, and I had a cast on my waist, way down to my toe for the whole summer. And it was it was awful. It was it was just awful. Yeah. It was awful. Did not and know if that. If I had to do it over again, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have done it. That, that set me back at least three years. And then Chicago thought I was done. I was too old. I couldn't do it anymore. And 
I went to uh, L.A., which was a, a great, a great place. City L.A. was great. I loved L.A. I loved the players there too, but uh, I couldn't afford to live there. You know, with you know nowadays they spill more than I made, <laughs> and uh, and I couldn't afford to live there. So uh, Eddie Johnston, the guy that made me captain in Chicago, uh, was in Pittsburgh, and Lemieux was there, and he said, "I want you in Pittsburgh." And I said, "Okay," and I was negotiating a contract extension with L.A. and they were kind of balking and kind of hesitating and all that kind of stuff. And I had a really good year with LA. I yeah. played with Bernie Nichols and Jimmy Fox and pretty good numbers. And, um, and I thought I couldn't live there any longer. So I left and uh, went to Pittsburgh and played with, uh, with, uh, Mary Lemieux, uh, on his left side. And, um, actually we roomed together on the road and he was just, it was second year and we just kind of, it was kind. Of, it was supposed to take care of him, make sure he was doing things right. <laughs> I guess you did a good job so, of that. What was your? Uh, I, 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 I worked in Pittsburgh in the '90s uh, with the Penguins. Had a chance to see Mario a lot, and it just. I don't know how to describe it. I mean, with that size, with that skill, it seemed like sometimes, some nights, he could do whatever he wanted to do. What was your impression of a 19-year-old Mario Lemieux and uh, your your relationship as, as a mentor to him? I went to training camp and um, my, my first year there. I had to sign a contract and going down, moving everything down there and getting settled out in the house. I went to training camp and and uh, we were scrimmaging. We we worked we worked out in the morning, and then we scrimmaged in the afternoon. And I, I, I couldn't I couldn't believe the moves he could do with either falling or not losing a stick. I, I just sat there and I go in amazement. I go, are you, are you kidding me? Newspaper guy said, how would you describe Mario? What would, what would the words describe Mario? And I said, I'll describe Mario. I said, if God put anybody in this earth to do one particular thing, it was merely me to play hockey. Right. <laughs> He was had the size, the skating ability. Uh, his shot wasn't great, but it always find, seemed to find a crease or someplace where there really wasn't. He would score, but he just his stick handling. And he, Terry, go to the net with your stick on the ice. Go to the net. <laughs> keep on telling me. Keep on telling me. And I go, I go to the net with a stick on the ice. And sure enough, would hit the puck with my stick, go in the net. And he just kind of shrug it off, like I told you, I told you. Um, <laughs> but you know, the amazing thing when when guys would make him mad. And you could hear him all through the rink when the defenseman had the puck behind the net. He leave it, leave it, leave it, and he <laughs> get wound up. He picked the puck up behind the net, and I went to the net because <laughs> <laughs> right. I knew I knew there was gonna if he didn't score, there was gonna be a rebound, and I was gonna be there to score it. Tremendous. He had he had so much skill and talent, just so much skill and talent, and and it, it uh, he's a, he was an amazing player, amazing player, amazing. Absolutely. Uh, Terry, you end your career with the North Stars, and you immediately uh, go into coaching. Which I wanted to ask you a question about that because I failed to ask you previously. Was now you, you've played with a lot of coaches, a lot of different styles. You started out with Billy Deneen and the WHA. Um, which coach, if anyone in particular, had the most influence on your future coaching approach? You know, I, I was really blessed by having really good coaches. Like Bill Deneen, he wasn't the, the best X and O's, but he was such a terrific guy and treated you such a, like, a, like a man and a professional that if you lost the game, you felt bad because you lost the game, but you lost the game because of 
he was your coach and you didn't lose against, you didn't want to lose him. You didn't want disappointment, disappoint him because he was just an amazing guy. I just amazing person. And I loved him. And he was the type of guy that would sit right next to you in a bar and have a drink and talk about your family. Right. And I'll blink an eye going, what are you going to supposed to be doing this? Because he treats you like a man in a pro. And we, we responded the same way as a team. Um, I, I don't know. I, I had so many of them. You know, Pat Quinn was was one guy that I really respected. He was well prepared. Um, I really liked him. I, I I just can't pinpoint one because they all they all had a special way of doing things. Roger Nielsen and I and I loved Roger too. And I, I'll tell you the reason why. Again, I I wasn't overly skilled, and he had categories. Of you know the next day after game he he rate the guys you know who did what and this 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 and this right and I he knew that I worked hard and I wanted to win and he, I'd do anything to do it and there wasn't a category <laughs> that I was good at so I think I I really think if I don't mind he made up one so I could <laughs> so I could be have that own category that like say oh Terry yeah Terry you did this you got this going for us and it kind of made me feel good all about it but I <laughs> I really think that he he. He he did the category for me, and I always appreciated that. And uh, he was he was a very special person, a very special coach too. He was his exes and those were tremendous, quiet yeah. a quiet leader, a yeah, quiet leader, a little ahead of his time too. He uh, was, I think so. Yeah, he was uh, a tactician and a of a, a video guy and status. You know, he kept track of the the various stats. You know, before that became yeah. the the norm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. He was ahead of his time. You're, you're absolutely right, Mark. I agree with you. Terry, uh, I appreciate the time today. If you could do, I had just a, a couple more quick questions for you. Sure. Um, sure. First of all, your coaching career spans almost 20 years of, uh, in various leagues, uh, in the Central League, in the IHL, et cetera. Um, right now, what is your status? Are you looking to uh, get back into the game or what's, what's, what's your, your thought process there? Yeah, I, I, I haven't coached in the last year and a half and I, um, it, it doesn't bother me to be like, I, the good Lord blessed me. I, I knew it was my time to quit hockey to play. I, I knew it was time to step down. I didn't even try for negotiating with other teams. I knew that I was done and the good Lord blessed me by giving me one year in Minnesota, just, but you know, play a few games and just take the rest of the year off and say, you know what? Well done, young man. Well done. You did what you had to do with the talent you had. Right. I'm going to give you a whole year off, which I truly appreciated. Um, I walk away. You know, if something comes out, if, it, if somebody calls me and say, you know, Terry, we need you. I, I've only missed, I, I started up, it was five new teams, brand new teams, right from scratch. Right. Brand new team. And I think I, I, think I missed the playoffs four times in the last 15 years. And I missed the last one I missed by, by, uh, by a game. Because um, we had so many injuries, but uh, I, I really, I really enjoy coaching. I, I, I love to see the young kids um, do what I tell them and put a system together, and they do it, and they, and they win. And you think that, well, you know, maybe, maybe I am doing the right thing. They're doing the right thing. I tell them do. We're winning hockey games, and we had a team in Laredo, and uh, I, this was a good team. We, I put a really good team together. Oh, Our yeah. season, we had forty-eight wins, forty-eight wins, eight losses, and eight ties. Yeah, that was unbelievable, and we won the championship in the seventh game in overtime. Uh, it was a, it was a remarkable year. We had uh, in Laredo, Texas, go figure. And we only we only, the NBC or CBS did did a feature of our team, 
uh, hockey at the border and how well it was going. And we used to like pack them I in mean, like seven, six, five, six, seven thousand a game, and it was it was incredible. And we won a championship. We had over eight thousand people in the building. We had twenty over two thousand people outside watching it on screen. Wow! And we won a championship, and we won the championship in overtime, and we celebrate on the ice and going crazy and throwing stuff and we were cheering. We went back in the dressing room, and and I, I swear to goodness, twenty minutes later, I could still hear them cheering. Right. It, it was just, it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. And we had a little um, thing after the next day, and the mayor was there, and, and they said, "We are the world champions." And they said, "Oh, you know, championships of the, the Central Hockey League." He goes, "That is our world." Right. The mayor said, <laughs> and I'm going, "That's cool. So cool. Absolutely." She, she was, she was involved in getting the arena there. And, uh, and she was involved in us being so successful. But that was a thrill. You know, winning it, we won it twice there. In four of the first, I think the first five years, we went to the quarterfinals the first year and went to the one, two championships and went to the finals two other times. We had, we had a really good team. Absolutely. Really good team. And you, 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 like you said, you were involved in all kinds of uh, startup situations and your win-loss record <laughs> is incredible. But it must have been, in, in the end, um, I'm not saying your career, your coaching career is over. I'm just saying when you look back at where you are at this point, your ability to positively impact uh, young men, communities, um, has to be a very gratifying thing for you. Yeah, you know the gratifying thing is my, my old coaches, my old players either call me or text me, see how I'm doing, and see how they're doing, and tell them how they're doing. That that makes me feel good. And they and there's a quite a few of them that do that, that call me up or text me and say, how you doing, coach? And this is what's happened to me, and this and that. I'm, I'm doing this now. If you ever need anything along that line, give me a call. It's just gratifying. I, I see I see boys come in and they leave as young men, and that makes me feel good. Absolutely, and that really is what it's all about. I had one more quick question yep. for you, and I'm working on a yep. collaboration with Andre Lacroix. So, he, he, 77-78 season, you lose the house to New England, but Scott Campbell comes in, and also Andre Lacroix comes in. Um, I'd like to get your impressions of uh, you played against him, you played with him, great personality. Uh, what kind of he may be one? He may be one of the slickest little forwards that I think I've ever played with or against. He was so slick. Like, he would make a move that he didn't think he was going to make, but he did. He'd make a pass. There's no way you're going to make that pass. He'd make that pass and put in the guy's stick. He would be in a position that everybody was over there. He'd be there by himself. And all of a sudden, the puck would just magically go to him. He'd put it in the empty net. Terrific guy. Everybody really liked him. Like, he always had a smile on his face. He's always in a good mood. Um, under the claw was just a really classy, classy young classy man he just that classy man but he was so slick like he was just you know he, he little head fake there and the guy would go for it he'd go the other way and it's just right he's just little things that you think that well that's not a big thing but whoa look, look what happened whoa are you <laughs> kidding me it was one of those going wow this guy's good right. this guy's really good and you look at his points and you go how's that guy like that get all those points well watch him play watch right. him play because you put him with guys that can score goals, and he's going to put up huge numbers, goals and assists. Right. And the, guys, the guys that played with him loved to play with him because he knew he was going to get the puck in a situation where they didn't think they could. He did. He got it to him. He was an amazing player. He was a freaking amazing player. And always smile and happy and just a good team guy. He's just always in a good mood. Um, yeah, I like Andre Lacroix a lot. I, I like him a lot. I didn't like him when I played against him, <laughs> but I liked him when I saw my team. 
Right. Well, he's still uh, still doing well. We had a Whalers reunion uh, a few months back, and he came up for that, and I uh, had a chance to spend a lot of time with him. And he's still the same guy, still uh, upbeat, happy, positive, and um, yeah. I'll, I'll be happy to share this uh, your your comments with him. Please, yeah, please say hello to him. Please go to form for me. He's just a terrific guy, a terrific player. But I have to say that Hartford, I always had a lot of respect for Hartford. Um, a lot of respect. I, I love their uniforms, first of all. <laughs> and um, I, I, you know, next right next to the hotel, the mall, they had the building. I thought that was pretty cool. But I always thought they had a very close-knit team, and I always respected that. And um, I, I always thought they had a really good organization, and I have a lot of, I have a lot of respect for Hartford. And what they did, you know, they won a championship, I think, the couple of years before I got there. Yes. I, I just... I, I just think that they, they they were a classy bunch of guys. The front office people did well, and I think the players did. I just I have a lot of respect for that organization. No, absolutely. It's always uh, a little bittersweet going back to Hartford because, as you said, yeah. in, in, in the WHA days, the Whalers were one of the most stable, well-supported financially yeah. and fan-wise franchises. Yeah. And of course, you know, once you lose a team, it's hard to get it back. But uh, um, but yeah. I pre- appreciate comments there and. More so, I, I appreciate the time you spent with us today. I've been looking forward to this for a while. I could talk to you for two hours. I <laughs> promise you, I'll get you get back to your uh, household chores. But um, yeah. But anyway, uh, Terry, we really appreciate this, and uh, we'll be keeping uh, close tabs on you, and we wish you the best of luck uh, going forward. Thanks, Mark. I had a great time. It's, always, it's really good talking with you. It's nice to reminisce a little bit and talk about players and of course, I live in Dallas. There's not a whole lot of people I can talk hockey about, so it's always <laughs> nice to hear you from you and other people that we can talk hockey. But I appreciate the call and the nice, kind words you said about me, and it's much appreciated. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, Terry. Talk to you again soon. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye, Mark. Thanks for listening to the Pro Hockey Alumni Podcast. Be sure to visit us at prohockeyalumni.org.